Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. If you had a chance, head down to the show notes and we'll have all the links to our social media, YouTube channel. It's getting very active over there. Ariel's Instagram is on fire, as the, <laughs> as the, as the, as the young kids say. Yeah, right. <laughs> Speaking of learning uh, new things, I know a lot of us are very nervous about certain subjects and you know we have anxieties that have been built up over the last, you know, decades of our own life and our own education and now all of a sudden we're the home educator for our own kids and you know teaching them basic addition and subtraction are, is easy but then all of a sudden it's sixth grade and you're teaching them civics and now it's eighth grade and you're teaching them geometry and now it's 10th grade and my gosh we're making jet fuel in the kitchen <laughs> you know there are things that people are scared about teaching they are concerned that they can't teach there's a lot of anxiety about these subjects like I know from from my side, you know, teaching physics is going to be an easy thing for me. Teaching upper say, level say math, the physics major. Yeah, so, yeah, and and you know, upper level math, calculus one, two, and three, very easy, straightforward, <laughs> very easy. Differential equations, no problem. Very easy, no problem. <laughs> barely an inconvenience. Linear linear algebra, barely an inconvenience. You know, we can get there, right? And but I know a lot of people out there are not that. Right? Well, and even us, I think that you know, e- even the the STEM education that we have, there are going to be things that we feel, I, I think we feel, would feel pretty uncomfortable teaching uh, poetry. Body, and, body and, anatomy, go see mom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> we have girls, so. Um, but, you know, like there are subjects, even though we are, we are well-educated, we do have bachelor's degrees, there are subjects even we feel uncomfortable teaching. Yeah, poetry, right? poetry is one that I really struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. I did not do well in chemistry. You're, you did better than I did, but I would feel uncomfortable teaching that subject. Even though I do have a STEM degree, I did take college chemistry, but it didn't go well, folks. Yeah. So, or you like know, biology. I, I ran away from that in high school. Oh, I, absolutely. I tried not to take that. Yeah. I would feel really uncomfortable teaching biology or, so, or a foreign language. I, you know, I'm just notoriously terrible. Yeah. Same. Um, right. I, I speak very, very marginal French. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, I think the very first thing that we want to talk about with this is it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how well-educated, you know, you think that uh, we know a friend who's got a, I think she's got a master's degree and in something very academic. I don't remember what it is, it's but a, it, it was like a poli sci. It was uh, yeah, very so impressive. And she's very worried about teaching her son middle school science. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't matter how well-educated you are. There are gaps in all of our educations or places where we did struggle um, and we worry about that. So I think the first Mm -hmm. thing is 
you know, move beyond, we have to kind of put away our like past baggage of, oh man, I really struggled in chemistry and I almost failed that class <laughs> kind of thing. I don't think I can do this. You know, we have to put aside our own stuff and kind of look at this as our kids and not feel like there's this stigma that goes with it, with us. You know, if you're a mom or dad and you just have a high school diploma and you struggled in some areas, don't think that like you cannot teach high school level material because you can. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, we all have these feelings about at least one, if not multiple subjects. I exactly. feel this way about well, multiple subjects. Especially the upper upper level thing. I, I know, you know, educating a younger child is, you know, fairly, fairly straightforward. You know, a lot of times it's just follow the lessons, read the books, you know, do the work and you're fine. But you're, you're right. When you get up to those upper level things, we start to have that, that feeling that there is um, sacred knowledge, you know, or, you know, that there's only way to teach those is I have to have an upper level degree or something like that. And that might be true for just maybe like a couple very small subjects, mainly being in, in the STEM areas like math and physics, but I don't think it's an insurmountable uh, task for most people. Yeah, I don't think it is. And, you know, even though we do try to focus on younger learners as, as our children are younger, yeah. one of... You know, we're already thinking of this. Yeah, you know, this what's fear up. though about... How do you teach subjects in middle school and high school? Mm-hmm. It, it prevents people in even early elementary grades from starting homeschooling because they're thinking like, I don't want to start on this path if I'm not going to be able to follow through I think you when it, we get into higher levels. Yeah, I think you brought it up the other day where it was like, oh, we'll homeschool except high school. And a lot I'll, of people say that, which is, yeah, totally, which is fine totally fine if yeah. that's your plan. But I... We don't want anyone to be scared of these subjects and think like, oh, I should not start down on this homeschooling path because there's going to get to be a point where this is too tough for me because, oh, I'm not good in math. Or, you know, I struggled a lot with reading and literature and I I don't think I'm really equipped to teach, you know, literature composition and things like that. I mean, whatever it is, whatever your Achilles heel, and we've all got something in our academic history that we are uncomfortable with. Hey, listen, AAR... All about reading too is kicking my butt with phonics. Yeah, he keeps sharing things with me. He's like, "Babe, did, Babe, did, did you know there were four sounds for the letter Y? What? Yeah, and like, for oh my goodness, this language is kooky." Yeah, he keeps coming out going, "Who designed this language? <laughs> this is so tough." So, so I guess that's let's so let's just ground it here that we all have these issues. Mm-hmm. Everybody does, whether you're a new homeschooler or a veteran. Everyone has these areas that give them concern or that they know are going to be more of a struggle for them to teach. So don't feel uh, less than or anything else because you've got some area that you feel uncomfortable about because we all do. Well, and it's a feeling of being overwhelmed, especially, you know, if you're educating multiple kids and maybe that first kid is walking into, you know, 14 or 15 years old or starting into the high school years, you, you can feel that sense of, you know, impending doom or being overwhelmed on those type of things, especially right. if you're managing the house and you're managing the education and you're managing, you know, new curriculum that you haven't seen before, or you're, you're, you're about to embark on, you know, geometry, right. whatnot. And that's really scary. I mean, that can be overwhelming. I think the key thing is to not be overwhelmed and understand that, you know, this is absolutely something you can do and it's achievable. You know, it does require a little bit of learning Potentially, and we'll, we'll go through a few. It of those requires things. some yeah. strategy. Let's yeah. let's put it that way. It's a challenge, and it's going to be a strategy. Some I think, strategery. I think the first thing is to be comfortable with it yeah. and know that this exists and it's not insurmountable. And second is to acknowledge to your kids that maybe this is an area that mommy or daddy is not as familiar with. Mm-hmm. 
right? And, and that gives us an opportunity to, you know, be transparent with our kids, to learn alongside them, to yeah, kind of take that journey with yeah, them. Learning which, alongside us, I think, a great. Right. Yeah. And I think we should look at this as an opportunity, right? If you struggled with, I'm going to use math because math is one that a lot of people say they feel uncomfortable about. If you struggled with math in school, take this as a great opportunity to revisit that and maybe learn it in a better way. We've seen, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're doing Right Start Math and we're really loving it. And also Math Mammoth, they're both great. We've been doing both programs kind of um, interchange, you know, like... Uh, uh, Sequentially. Sequ- yeah, we've been, we've been doing them both. It, we've been switching off. So, you know, both of those programs are fabulous and they teach math in such an accessible, logical way. Maybe you didn't have good math instruction. When you were a child, this might be the opportunity for you to learn alongside your child, figure it out together and bring yourself up at the same time so that you no longer you like math. I got that. You know, maybe you you will feel comfortable, too. So this is a great opportunity to learn, especially I'm I'm more concerned about like those subjects that our daughters are going to choose that we have like no idea about that we did. We never studied. Mm -hmm. That's another part of it, too. What if you never covered that? whatever it is that they want to learn this, this, all these, these same uh, strategies are going to apply for, for that thing. You have no idea what this is about. Well, yeah. I mean, think, think about all the history stuff that maybe you've never touched and, and you know, outside right. of your own country's, you know, you know, history, you know, what if your child takes an interest in Japanese history or Chinese history? That's Literally, something I don't have a lot of familiarity our with. Our public schools never went beyond World War II. They yeah. acted like the United States history stopped at World War II. We yeah. never learned about Korea or Vietnam or yeah. any of the era of the 60s and 70s civil rights movement. We never moved, yeah. learned about any of that in our public schools. Yeah, you'd have to pick it up on, on the side. Yeah, we have to learn that as adults. So, yeah, it could be any subject. Yeah, um, really. So let's get started talking about strategies yeah i mean obviously the first thing you need to do is is understand if if you are the person that needs to be teaching this right there are so many resources and so many opportunities out there understanding first of all am i the right person to do this or do i need to outsource this action right is this something that you can pick up and learn and i think a great way to do that is to you know, take a look at uh, some some books about the subject maybe some popular curriculums you can take a look at sample lessons mm-hmm. See, is this primarily like, is this something that you've covered before? If it's a a math topic in elementary or high school, you've probably covered in the past, but you just don't remember it. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we've all been there. Um, And you could learn it again. Then you're probably the right person to teach this. If this is like my daughter wants to learn Japanese, I'm clearly the wrong person to teach this. (laughs) Because while I could learn with her there, I, I can't. I could not teach her like proper pronunciation and, and that kind of stuff. Same thing with like a musical instrument. If my daughter yeah. wants to learn to play violin, I am going to be hopelessly inadequate because I do not play the violin. Um, so, you know, and, and and so you have to kind of be realistic about what you could teach. Um, but don't be too hard on yourself either, especially with elementary subjects, even even middle school and, and a lot of high school subjects. You can teach this if you pick up a book and read through a lesson or two. Does it make sense to you? Could you review it and then teach it? But it is an important assessment because you kind of have to decide which road are you going down. Are you going to outsource it or are you going to tackle it? Yeah, and I think with the wealth of resources that we have now with, you know, libraries, you know, the internet, YouTube, things of that nature, we can, you know, get access to a lot of materials and we can learn along. You can take classes on 
you know, many of the myriad class mm-hmm. options. I, I, I know like there's Udemy, there's a few others. Yeah, there's OutSchool. OutSchool and everything. So you could take classes and learn. Like, I, you know, I was eyeing a class the other day for, I, I'd like to do, learn a little bit about the Unreal Engine, which is a video gaming uh, open source platform. And I, and I want to learn about it. I want to learn how to make stuff in it. And I was like, the first thing I went and looked for a class. Like there's got to be like a $25 class that will teach me the basics. And there was, right? Mm-hmm. Like understand that maybe outsourcing that. We've heard this from a few of the last um, unschooling journeys and the homeschooling journeys that, especially with the older students, that they leverage these classes a lot. That's right. You know, we, we all, we, you know, I think we mentioned in the last uh, unschooling journeys that, you know, stripping away that understanding of, Oh, you know, we just let our kids do whatever they want. But a lot of times letting them do whatever they want means getting them into an online class that they can learn about those things that they want to do, Mm -hmm. right? And we've heard this from these parents that leveraging resources, leveraging the internet may be the right way to go. Right. You know, another way to go too is like, you know, I have, I'm looking at them right here. Um, The the Cliff Notes has incredible uh, books on various math subjects, science Mm -hmm. subjects, biology right those are those those are even teacher guides those for are, you yeah. if you feel like you're going to read uh, you know let's talk about like it's high school literature let's exactly, say yeah. you know if you're going to read classics or anything that has a cliff notes you can use that to help build your teacher knowledge yeah you know and that and i would find that really tough personally you're really good with literature i mean I like well, to read, that, but I would be really yeah. bad about like interpreting the nuance of literature. And, I need something like that's that. That's a trick that I've I've done since high school, and my English teacher, you know, clutched his pearls and you know, <laughs> when I when I told him, but I told him I'd like to read the Cliff Notes along with the book, and I actually read the Cliff Notes ahead of the time, so I read the narrative and the commentary, and then I go and read the actual text, and it takes takes care of three things that you have to do when you read something that's difficult like literature, which is understanding the text, like what's happening, understanding the meaning, and a lot of times overcoming language differences. You know, especially if the book is written 100, 150 years ago, it may be in a style that we don't, you know, expect from say Stephen King or the Mm -hmm. latest, you know, throwaway paperback. The language is different. And those three things, overcoming those three things at the same time is very challenging. So I find taking, taking the two hardest pieces, which is what is the narrative telling you and what is, you know, what is the meaning of what they're doing Having that already preloaded in your frontal cortex while you're reading the book allows you to enjoy the the prose or the you know the verse of what you're reading, and also get what's happening mm-hmm. and whatnot. So these are like little tricks, and you as an educator may pre-read those type of things, right? So that you can have those discussions with your learner, and then your learner may actually adopt that as well. So like, there's so many different ways you can attach the attack these things. Right. It's, there's there's lots of different ways to do it. Yeah. I mean, when you think about a teacher, teachers are primarily taught how to, you know, the educational process and how to manage the classroom mm-hmm. and philosophy of education, all that kind of stuff. They often aren't taught like all the subjects that they have to teach, they have to learn that and then yeah. teach it. And so you're kind of doing that same role on a micro scale, right? Because managing you only have, curriculum, managing. So you, yeah. you're, you're learning this subject. I, I don't think they're going to school and learning, you know, all of the 
advanced topics, but they get into a school and it's like, oh, can you teach science? Yeah, I could teach science. And then they're going to learn all that biology and then teach it to your kids. Yeah, and the first you can year, do this too. Yeah, the you first year or two learn. might be rough for them, but after that, like three or four years old, I've been through this three or four right. times. And yeah. they have curriculum that they use and you will too. One of the things, so, so you've got to assess first, right? Are you going to teach or are you going to outsource? If this is a, as long as it's not a skill-based thing, mm-hmm. like um, an instrument, a language, coding. Throwing so, the javelins so our daughter can join the Olympics in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about that lately. She wants to be in the Olympics. She's trying to find like, we're trying to find the... Spoilers for what we're into this week. Yeah, we're trying to find the least accident prone thing or, you know, injury prone thing you could do. And I'm not sure if we have it yet. But anyways, that's an aside. You know, you, you're deciding what you can do. If it's not a skill-based thing or mm-hmm. something that, you know, you couldn't teach, but if it is a core subject that you could learn and could teach, so you've decided you're going to teach it, review a few samples of curriculum. Mm-hmm. There are, not all curriculums are created equal. Obviously, we know there's some, you know, work better with certain kids and work better with other kids, but not just that. Some curriculums work better with some teachers and other teachers. We've looked at curriculums in the past. I remember like Singapore math, for example, Mm -hmm. was incredibly teacher friendly. You you did not need to know anything in order to teach this. Mm -hmm. It was very laid out. So make sure that if you're going to tackle a subject, you've decided that you're going to teach it that you find resources that support you best, whether it's Cliff Notes for Literature or a math curriculum that, you know, gives you a step-by-step teacher narrative, right? You know, you'll find different curriculums for history. It gives you all the questions. Here's exactly how to talk about it, just as if you were the teacher, you know. So really finding the right materials to guide you is kind of the next step after you've decided you're going to take it on. Absolutely. And maybe following that, once you've figured out, you know, if you can teach it, maybe the next step is to figure out if it's something your student can do on their own. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Even if you can do it, is your student old enough to do this independently? You know, and that's one of the things we've been hearing from some of these parents who've Mm -hmm. been educating older students is that, you know, as they get older and they become more autonomous, they're able to sit down and do their workbook. They're able to sit down and do their, you know, do a couple pages of this, mm-hmm. write a little composition here, re- go off and read your 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 book. And there's not as much prompting and as much guidance. You're more of like a basketball coach as opposed to say like you know the 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 Iditarod rider where you're whipping the horses to get them <laughs> to get moving the dogs to get them I don't moving. Think they whip the dogs. <laughs> not anymore. I'm sure they did. Maybe they, they, they sternly yell at the dogs. <laughs> I hope they don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that... You know, something like that, right? If, I mean, if, if, you're, if your child is older, we, we know some, some folks, for example, whose kids use Khan Academy, yeah. and those kids are independently doing their math. They're independently learning it. They're learning it through Khan Academy and, and other resources, and their child is old enough to do that themselves. I, I honestly, God, I, I've gone through a bunch of Khan Academy videos and stuff, and... I wish I had that when when I was in high school. I wish I had that. It teaches it better than we could, and even though we feel comfortable, it's not even just it's not even just that. But like some of these resources, some of the math, some of the science stuff, Khan Academies, I think is a great example of this. It's when you're sitting in the lecture and your teacher's not like the best teacher. Yeah, that happens so often. You so often want just to listen to it again from a different perspective. And being able to dial up a video that's like 30 or 40 minutes long, seeing a couple more example problems that are different from the ones you've seen worked out, and you just go, oh, that makes so much more sense. I understand what they said. I, I like how he explained this. And a lot of times it's the you know the explanation is yeah. 90% of the learning. And if you don't have a good explainer, 
you know, it, it, it can suffer. And, you know, with STEM, that can be a little bit more challenging. History as well, right? Like, what do we always know? What was the, what's always the cliche about history? It's so dry. It's so boring, right? right. And the thing is that I've, I've learned, you know, in the last 10, 15 years with podcasts, history can be unbelievably interesting. Oh, yeah. And it's really just how it's being presented to you. Absolutely. If your child is interested in something or you've got to teach a subject in history, we actually talked with a, a we interviewed somebody the other day who was raised outside of the United States and now yeah. lives here. So she's like, I don't, I didn't learn U.S. history, right? What, what do you do in that situation? I'd say if your child's old enough, you can help them you know, go to the library, get mm-hmm. books, find videos. They can do a lot of this work independently. And if something that you want to catch up on, you can do it with them. I think that's such a, yeah. I mean, what a like magical journey. You know, if our daughter wants to learn something that I have been wanting to learn or, you know, feel like is a real deficit in my education, what a great time to do it together. Exactly. So, you know, should you teach it? You know, Can you teach it? Should you teach it? And, you know, or should it be something that your child does independently or... No, I shouldn't teach it. I don't, I, you know, the, I've looked at the sample that, you know, the, the first few lessons were over my head. It's not something that I can teach or it's a skill that I don't have. Yeah. I cannot teach my child how to play violin. Then you have to look outside. And we yeah. talked about out school. We talked tutors, about Udemy. Tutors. Yeah, tutors are great. Tutors can also look in your homeschool community for older homeschool students mm-hmm. who could who could tutor. You don't just have to go out to adults. There are tutoring centers and things, but you could also find other homeschoolers in your area. Um, think about taking classes at a co-op or signing up for some other type of a class that's offered, you know, outside of your home. Right? There's all kinds of things. And maybe you could take it with your student. That's mm-hmm. another one. Yeah. Um, lean into your community. You know, in, in in case of our daughter, she was asking about playing an instrument. And I just was like, oh, that's grandpa's job because <laughs> grandpa plays a bunch of instruments. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to outsource that to him. So that's one thing that, you know, maybe I, I don't have to look for a specific class for. So you may have somebody in your family or, you know, on your street, a friend or another homeschool family that has the ability to teach that subject. Mm. And that's where community starts coming into, uh, to homeschool. So yeah, and, think and, about that. And, and I think a lot of the challenges that we see is maybe something specific that is, is difficult, more acute, you know, it's going to be harder to find somebody like a parent, like a grandpa who's going to teach the whole chemistry. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like that's going to be a l- little bit more of a challenge. You may have to and and I think the last point here is is that it could be a blend of everything, right? It sure you, could. The student could be off watching some lectures. You come in with some additional materials to help assist, and maybe once in a while you bring in a tutor. Like it could be a blend of all those type of things, and you may want to take that type of approach. It's not just a one size fits all. Absolutely, and you know, as we are homeschoolers, but we do have the ability. Uh, to take a class at the public school. Maybe you want your child to take a chemistry lab, and so you drop them off at the high school for one class in chemistry. I think chemistry is the one that we often hear repeated. Because because of the lab work. It is such a, yeah, facilities-related subject. Although, really, you can do a lot of chemistry in your kitchen, and they have some amazing sets to do at home. Yeah. Um, But just remember that these are all options that are available to you. So, So, you know, aside from going outside, if you're going to teach it yourself. So what are the steps to take? I think, you know, we talked about reviewing the lessons Mm -hmm. to know that, you know, this is going to work for you. But before you teach, 
I would say read at least one, if not two lessons ahead. Mm -hmm. Be very familiar with this subject matter so that you can confidently teach it. And this is what teachers do before they teach it to their classes in a regular public school setting. They have already reviewed the material. They're comfortable with it. They can present it confidently in a way that their students will understand. And that, that's something I used to do as a tutor. I, you know, I tutored calculus and physics um, at the local community college, you know, way back in the Wayback Machine. Um, and that was something I absolutely did. You know, I was reviewing the materials. I knew what they were, I was coming into. I asked them what they were learning that day. And so I would go ahead and review that. I'd, I'd try to match it to a book I had, try to review around it, you know, like in front and behind, look at example problems, write down some example problems and bring that with me to the, the lesson so that during that lesson we can answer questions, we can cover additional, you know, I, and I would think of like different ideas. So like, of, of how to explain things and different examples because these were working professionals who were taking stuff and I was always trying to like figure out ways to, you know, approach the subject in a way that they understood, right? In a manner that they understood. And, you know, those are things that you'll have to do when you're in the, you know, in the, in the trenches with your, right. your kids, you're going to have to be creative and think about how, how you can present this in something that they enjoy or they understand. I think that was always something that really, I thought keyed in, like I had a nurse that I had to, to work with and she was, she didn't understand, you know, really the rates of change and derivatives and all this stuff. And I was trying to explain to her, like, you know, what happens if you were like titrating in, you know, a saline bag and you had to like increase it over time. And she's like, she started to understand, like, cause I was able to, you know, put it in terms that she would understand. That's right. All of a sudden the math started to make a little bit more sense. It's really hard to put it. So to... How, how do I teach calculus with, with Minecraft? <laughs> so... <laughs> I, think, I think the thing that we're hearing is you know, It's like, how do you teach something in the, the best way for your student if you're learning it side by side can be a challenge. Now, I love the idea of learning side by side with our kids and maybe you discover it together and then you can kind of think of some other ways to bring it up or you watch videos and you learn it together. Um, so... And that's more kind of in the math state. You know, there's, mm -hmm. I mean, history and things, there's lots of fun ways to teach that. But, you know, the drier subjects like math, how do you, you know, get into that? And if you're learning alongside with your learner, you can certainly do your best. But if you have time to preview the lesson and learn it first, then you'll be really sitting in a great position to be comfortable with it. Mm. Um, so the other thing is how far to go. If you're not comfortable in a subject, how do you know how much to teach? This is a great place where standards come in. If you want to look yeah. at Common Core for English or math, of course, national standards, that will work, or your state standards. Um, if you don't want to use standards, you can go to many popular curriculum providers and check out what their scope of each grade level is and know like, oh, okay, so, you know, freshman biology is going to cover this to this. And, and, you know, if you can afford to get a curriculum and use that, that's great. If you have to piece something together yourself, at least you can use that scope and sequence to have an idea of, you know, what you need to teach in what order. So that's a good place to look for, you know, and that's also a good place to look just to assess whether you can teach it or not. Like, okay, these are all the things they're going to learn. How comfortable do I feel with all those topics? You know, if I'm going to teach freshman biology, for example. You know, one that I've always wondered about is like a composition type of thing where you're writing small essays or themes. Yeah, that one you know, worries me a little it's, bit. It's very subjective. It always felt so very subjective, subjective in the writing style and whatnot and understanding like, okay, I have a 10th grader or a 9th grader. You know, what is a, 
a one pager look like? See, I think that's a great, I think that's a great time for you to leverage potentially like a community college class or uh, an out school or, or another class where you can submit that to somebody who has more English education. I, I feel like I could read something that our children wrote and say whether it was good or not, but I don't know that I could quantify like the why or the why of it. It, it would be that I think is very difficult. Like you said, mm-hmm. you know, with, with STEM, it's the answer is correct or it's not correct. And we can find <laughs> out in which step did the mistake happen if, if it's not right. Yeah. But with English comp, how do you know? And how do you know what's typical for that grade level? I feel like if we did some Googling, though, we could say, what level should my fourth grader be at? I mean, you could certainly look at Common Core. Yeah. And it will tell you, but I'm sure you could find uh, of what they should be able to do. But I'm sure you could find Common Core examples from every grade and, you know, try to do some comparison to the the word choice and the complexity of sentences mm-hmm. and you know, maybe, maybe that, that's the way I'm thinking I would approach it. Yeah. Like that's been, I I agree with you. I I think going out there and I think the internet is a big help here because I'm sure there, you know, for whatever grade level you're at, there are example essays sitting there or Mm -hmm. example papers that, you know, drive home what the quality should look like, whether, you know, it's obviously like, oh, here's an elite eighth grader. No, they probably have something that's very generic. That's one or two pages that I'm, will help I'm you. I'm sure that there is definitely a, yeah. you know, common core level eighth grade, what they should be able to do. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do a little bit, you know, a little bit of amateur writing, but, you know, a lot of times it feels like there's, it's like reading the tea leaves. It, it doesn't make sense sometimes why something is great, um, but there's this whole body of literature on why stories work and why they don't. Um, but the fact that it's so hard, even by great writers to actually do, you know, write a good book or to write a good short story, it's still, it's still difficult. So there is no formula. There is an art there. And so I think when you have that, that for me, like I I know a lot of people listening to this math and science is their scary thing, but me grading composition writing really that, that brings, you know, the jitters in. I, I just, I really struggle on, you know, how do I know if this is good or not? Because I really struggled writing when I was in, you know, well, how elementary, do I know that this school. is the right, the right thing for their age? Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, I think that that's where it's where it's difficult. I don't want to be overly critical, exactly. But this is, I think, this is the same case as something that, like, you don't know, like Japanese, right? My yeah. kid wants to study Japanese. What's appropriate for a fourth grader if they were learning Japanese? would they know i think we would just have to do some research and come up with that and i'm sure if we looked up what a 12th grade essays should look like mm-hmm. we could find out a lot of key flag indicators that would help us but you know as our children get older at some point we may not be able to do this by ourselves we may have to say this is a great point time time for a community college class or another or a tutor to yeah. say, you know, I need somebody who can impartially grade these. This is a great time too if you've got a different homeschool mom, you know, you know a mom who's already homeschooled four children and she's seen a lot of essays. Maybe this is a great time to have her take a look at your child's work and give a grade to it, right? Totally impartial. I I think that that's the other thing. I might be biased or one of two ways. I'll either be biased to her and think, oh, that's really good. Oh, I'm so proud of her for doing this. Or be very harsh because I know she could do better than this, right? <laughs> so maybe it's good to get a third party. Yeah. Maybe you swap with another mom and you each look at you know, your children's work if it's something subjective. 
not a bad way to go. You know, now once you get out there and you figure out, you know, we've gone through the whole list of things, you know, what, how can I be better at teaching it? Maybe my kid could do it. I can source someone from the outside. I can do all these things. Now we need to track our progress. You know, are we doing a good job? Are we getting the material into the brain? Are they learning what they're supposed to be learning? How do we track that? This is a great point, great place to use the standards if you have them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a nice time to use assessments if you can find uh, assessments online. Yeah. Depending on what level your child is at, you can use um, you could use prep materials from like, I mean, if you're talking about high school, you could use prep materials for SAT or PSAT. Um, you could use those to develop tests. I think that there has to be a way to assess and know that, you know, we're, we're doing the right things, right? In subjects we feel comfortable with, we know, oh yeah. I mean, in math is easy, right? It's easier because those are easy assessments to take. But if it's something that's more fluid, I think we have to come up with some sort of a metric, based on the research that we did about the subject and some way to assess. Maybe it's, you know, samples of uh, fourth grade biology tests or whatever it is. I don't know what year. <laughs> and you use that and see like, okay, you would need to look at it and make sure, did I, you know, did I teach all those things? <laughs> yeah. right? It's a good way to know if you're missing anything um, and a great way to assess your student about their learning. Well, and assessments can be scary. I know I'm, I'm going through some of the assessments on the math mammoth right now with my my six-year-old and like we're on the first grade book we're almost done with the first half of that book and doing the assessments is kind of scary from a teaching standpoint because it's it's not only that moment where she gets it's a to, judgment on your skills she gets to prove herself <laughs> but also it's a judgment on you know did we actually learn the material did she get what she was doing and am i good and there's a little bit of anxiety that this is a prove this is a moment where it proves whether or not i'm a terrible a terrible <laughs> teacher or not and well, she got 100% on her math test. So I would say I'm... Um, the question is... It's sort of like she... that old race car game that when you cross the um, checkpoint, I got another 30 seconds. Yeah. So like she got 100, so I get to do the next test. <laughs> we'll I think another. the real test is going to be to assess after a year and see if she still knows it. Yeah. That's... And, you know, math is easier because it is it is building it's upon building, itself. Yeah. But ultimately, ho- hopefully these ideas helped you. I think that... If you take a strong look at what worries you and why, and you start really digging into the material, I think you'll be surprised. You know, we talked with our friend who was really worried about teaching her son middle school science, and we suggested that she go to the resource center at our local parent partnership and look through middle school science textbooks. And and I think she did and, you know, was very surprised at like, oh, oh, that's not so hard. Like, I feel like these things seem daunting because we have our own kind of past experience with them. I know that if you said I needed to teach chemistry to our daughter, I would get a little bit of anxiety about that because I have memories of it being really hard. (laughs) Me not getting it, having to go for a lot of tutoring and then still barely passing that class. Right. (laughs) I have bad memories of that, but I, I bet now as a 30 old adult that if I looked at a chemistry, 38, shush they don't need to know oh so as a i married a young one (laughs) yeah right six months yeah that's right (laughs) you know i think if i went to look at a high school chemistry textbook right now i'd be okay we were talking about this before Mm -hmm. we started recording like if we went back and looked at these subjects that we remember being kind of traumatic as as uh young adults 
we could probably do it now. But just to, to say like, oh, hey, you're going to be teaching chemistry. I'd be like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know about this, right? So let's let's get real with the things. Let's confront our fears mm-hmm. and take a good look at the things that scare us and see if we really can teach them. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. We, we hear this from a lot of parents that they're worried about something and we suggest that they go out and really take a good look at the curriculums and the textbooks for that. And oftentimes they are surprised. And I bet you somebody out here is listening to this right now is going to be surprised that they really thought I can't teach blank and they're look, look into it and, you know, will have underestimated themselves. Yeah, I think the resources that are available now and all the technology that's out there, especially with the YouTube. And I think maybe some of us are approaching it from the standpoint that we think we're going to have to be hovering over their shoulder, walking them through the maze of biology or chemistry or physics and not realize that a lot of the curriculums are very sophisticated the workbooks and the example problems are wonderful there's youtube channels that are completely devoted to teaching kids those subjects and i think you'll realize that when we get into those subjects that are really really difficult we're going to be more of a coordinator of content and learning and classes and books as opposed to being the sole teacher may be the best path for you to get through that very, very tough subject that maybe you have anxiety about. And I think what's exciting about it is that it's an opportunity for you. And I think that the biggest one here is, is to learn. Uh, the, one of the biggest things that I've been enjoying more than anything is learning along with the kids mm-hmm. and kind of re-sparking and revitalizing that interest of learning. I've always been kind of in, a learning first type of person, but being able to do this has been just you know, a great renaissance in my own life. And I can't wait to get to those, you know, older subjects and even learning the things I never learned about, you know, I can't remember grammar, things of that, that nature, right? Like, I I don't even remember being taught that type of stuff. And it's going to be really, really fun to teach it so that I can be an expert and I can actually bring that into my own hobbies and efforts and whatnot. And it just makes you a better person. Well, and I think you you said an important word there, which is expert. I feel like you're using that in a positive context, but I think that a lot of folks view that negatively. I can't teach this unless I'm an expert in no. it. And that is that is not the case. Teachers everywhere in schools are not the expert in that subject. A lot of people wing it. That's well, the that's the dirty secret. No, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not what I mean. No, we've put no, a lot of times people put together a good plan. They've done their research. They put together good notes and they execute and present that in a very good way. And a lot of times we are just shocked at people who excel at public speaking like teachers, like sitting in front of a classroom and Mm -hmm. talking to 30 kids and teaching them something is an incredible skill to have. It's a very difficult skill. Not everybody can do it. And we look at that and say, wow, they have special knowledge. And it's not, they have a special talent to be able to stand in front of the class and really deliver things in a compelling manner. But you with your kid, you don't have to worry about the anxiety of teaching 30 kids. You're just teaching the one kid. And a lot of that gets stripped away and it's really just the information that's coming across. And I think we are lost in that mystic element of, you know, standing in front of a class and teaching people and thinking that they have to be an expert. You can easily teach this information. We're not saying you can teach college level classes to your kid and nobody's going to ask you to do that. But, you know, especially right at the end, like those last like three years of high school, you're going to get into more challenging subjects. And I think you have to really leverage the fact that your kid's going to be a grown-up kid and they're going to be smart. And you've done a lot of work to lay the groundwork for that. 
and little Johnny or or Alice should be able to, you know, catch the you know I, yeah. I remember doing a lot of my own work in high school. My parents weren't standing over my well, shoulder didn't to tell me to do my homework. We always have good teachers yeah. too. Sometimes we had to learn it ourselves. Exactly. I did a lot of that in college, and I know yeah. you did too. You know, so but I think that this this feeling that we have to we have to know it all to teach it. No. If you are a lesson or two ahead of your kid as far as you've pre-read those and you're comfortable with it and mm-hmm. you can talk about it, what happens if your child asks a question that's off? You know, you, you're you talking about the basics of this thing and they ask something that's beyond the scope of what was learned in the lesson. That is the perfect time to go, you know what, I don't know about that. Let's go explore. And you can go down that rabbit hole and take a look at that. I don't think we, we don't need to be chemists to teach chemistry. Well, we don't I, need to be I, physicists to teach physics, that I, kind of thing. And I love that. I love the that line. That's something that the the answer of I don't know is always a fearful answer because it's it's putting your ignorance on display. But in my you know, the corporate world in my first job, while I had problems, it was one of the things that I learned most most in, in that in that work environment was not to be afraid to say I don't know. Yeah. Because showing the humility is a is a point of strength. Um, showing your kids that you don't know everything, but then you're willing to go on the journey with them, I think is the is the best learning experience in that moment, which says mom is mom or dad is willing to come with me. You know they don't know everything; they're willing to help me. Let's go find out that information together. Yeah. I think that's that's one of the best learning things you can you can pass on to your kids. Well, and you're showing them those good research skills. Yeah. You know exactly what would we do? God. My our daughter we're all, asked. We're all professional Googlers. <laughs> that's right. We are we got a PhD. It's in amazing. Google. We have so many resources now. I don't think that anybody should be afraid to homeschool based on the fear of not being able to teach a subject with the kind of free resources that we have available. Exactly. It's, it's amazing. Our daughter asked us earlier today, she got some silicone baking molds for uh, as a present. And she was asking mom, how is silicone made? And I was like, Oh, okay, well let, let's go find out. And I, I said, well, probably the easiest way for you to understand it is we'll watch a YouTube video on it. So I found a few videos all about silicone and how they make it. And we watched that whole thing. And now she knows, you know, she was really, and, and that, that satisfied that curiosity. We didn't have to go deeper, but we sure could have. We could have looked up more. And our children are still young, so we do use videos a lot. And it, it's very easy to convey information that way. But I think you're right. that This going on the journey with our kids and not feeling like we have to be experts to teach it. Mm-hmm. I, that's the, if there's one thing that you remember going away from this is <laughs> don't be overwhelmed. Don't underestimate yourself. And don't feel like you have to be an expert. That, those are the things that I would like like for everybody to really take away. And, you know, we believe in you. You can do it. Here, here. And nobody's going to yell at you to use Cliff Notes. Now, let's end it the way we always end it. <laughs> uh, what we're into, we, we, we teased it. We are... Yes, we are, we are into the Olympics. Deep into the Peacock app on Roku. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been, been watching, watching the Olympics. Olympics. That's what we're into. And it's been really interesting. We watched, uh, you know, when we're recording this, we uh, it was just after the opening ceremonies was yesterday. And we uh, were looking at all the different nations. We had our globe out. Oh, yeah, and as every great. nation went by, we <laughs> were flipping the, globe, flipping the glo- <laughs> globe. And it was fun because, you know, it's like, oh, Ecuador. And I said to my daughter, that's in South America. And so she's flipping the globe to South America. And then she's scanning. She's learning to read. She's trying to find Ecuador. So we were taking that opportunity. She was also reading stuff on the screen. She was, was reading yes. things on the screen. It was a really good opportunity. There was a bunch of commentary, right? Because the Olympics is being held in China and there's some different geo 
political things and Putin attended. And so there was lots of things going on that were like social civics thing, uh, yeah, social events. Like, who's that person? Yeah, who's, who's that? Person? Why are they like, talking about this like this? And, you know, so I had to kind of try like, she, okay, she's a kinder first grade, you know, type age child. Okay. Well, how, how can I explain the Uyghur minority? Okay, uh, you know, so I'm trying to come up with like the best way to explain different things as we were watching. It was a good test. You know, and, and yeah. there's different countries coming out with their some of their ceremonial outfits. And so okay. she wanted to know more about those. She's very into fashion and things. And she's like, what is he wearing from Tonga? You know, and so we had to like look that up. And he looks cold. He looks cold. <laughs> <laughs> and shiny, shiny and cold. Um, so, yeah, you know, we were we were talking about... I, I missed that one. The oil guy was back. That was the oil guy. Yeah, oh, he was I love back that again. Guy. Yeah, he he was he was all out. I love for that guy. It. So, um, you know, we we talked about all the countries. We talked about some of the political issues going on. We yeah. you know, we did some reading. We were looking at the globe, like all these things into the Olympics. And now, today, we were watching um, some different events. We were watching luge and we were watching ski jumping. And she's talking about they're talking about how they made the snow. And then she's like, "How do you make snow?" I was like, "Okay, so that's another <laughs> thing. The amount of learning that's going on just by watching these wonderful." athletes compete it's really amazing um to to teach her mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know about the accomplishment of these folks and she's asking like well what does it what does it take to learn to be this person and you know we're going through all the steps and all the hard work that these folks have put in and so anyway it's a really interesting um interesting way it's not just sports there's just so many other things a lot of culture into and, it. and life and and, and the world is all wrapped up into it it's really cool right you can't ignore the things that are happening um politically the things that are happening uh culturally in different areas and she's very into all the outfits and who's wearing what outfits it's all about the the fashion and we've talked about how they design outfits for the different teams and how the different outfits look different why does this skier wear this one and the mogul skiers got these patches below their knees and so <laughs> we're talking about and she's asking about judges and scoring and how they make decisions and yeah. she's reading tons of numbers she's all about scores oh you're watching the luge one she says oh he's in the red he's minus one he's minus one right point so two, she's like know? trying to figure out you know oh oh that, that one's green okay so he's good and she's she's learning so much i don't know it's very intangible but it's yeah, just yeah, very like stream yeah. of consciousness as we watch. So that's that's what we're into. We're we're doing some Olympics at our house. Yeah, it's a great it's a great learning experience and it's kind a of all, all over the place. And you'll find little niche that might be different because it is a spectacle. We, and we as as Ariel has said before, I think that she's very into spectacles. I couldn't stay away. I couldn't stay away from watching. Um, and and it's it's a great celebration of all of these athletes and all mm-hmm. their hard work, despite everything else going on. That that we can focus on them and. Um, and, you know, celebrate what they've accomplished. Yep. And I think it's great to tell her how hard these people worked and yep. how much effort they put into it. And now we all get to watch and celebrate their work and how neat that is. I also like to, you know, extend to her how hard it is for you to accomplish things. And they, there's a lot of hard work and that's something that's good. Yeah, for she's asking like, when did they, when did they start skating? And we're like, um, probably your age or younger. You're probably a little younger <laughs> And than she you. was like, Really? It's okay. We we I can still get her in a javelin. She's thinking like, oh, she could just do this in like you know two years. It's like no, these people they work hard. This is and there's lots of these little vignettes where they get you to introduce you to the athletes and how hard they're working, and mm-hmm. it shows all these montages of them training. And she's getting a new appreciation for you know how hard people have worked to become the best at something. Well, I think it'll be fun too because I think she might have been. A little young for the last Olympics, and this one, maybe the next one will be really nice because she is in gymnastics a lot. 
she is doing that. So it's going to be really cool for her to see women doing things that she does, you know, every week with her friends Mm -hmm. and seeing that at a high level is going to be really cool for her, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so fun. we've been into the Olympics and hopefully uh, you can catch up on some play by play on YouTube or something like that if you're <laughs> if you're listening to this, but it's a, it's been a lot of fun for us. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions and recommendations. Until next time, happy homeschooling!